Hello, everybody. My name is Shane Petkowitz. Uh, this is Zero, a Zero Waste podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This is actually the final episode of season one. I've really enjoyed the season. Thank you for following uh, throughout the season and um, providing your feedback uh, and comments and, and sharing with your wider communities. It's been really fun to see the podcast grow over the last few weeks and months. And definitely looking forward to uh, putting together a season two with uh, people from all around the world doing exciting work, shining the light on the world of waste. So it's been lots of fun. Uh, stick around to the end of the episode. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a summary uh, recapping the whole season and telling you plans, my plans for uh, the next season and beyond. Um, without further ado, on this episode, it's my great pleasure to introduce to you George Onkihong. He is professionally a marketer, activist, and political candidate currently running for local government uh, in the local elections in Den Haag in the Netherlands. Uh, he has decades of experience uh, working to uh, focus, working on climate issues, uh, including improving recycling in the city uh, and the local government on implementing uh, bans on plastic bags. And most recently, he's actually been working on uh, banning uh, fossil fuel uh, advertisements, uh, both in his local city, uh, as well as throughout the Netherlands. It was really exciting to hear about his work and the exciting progress that they've made over the last few years. And also talking about how he finds uh, so much joy and value in being able to work on things that focus on doing good and not just for himself, but for his community. So I uh, learned a lot uh, and it was really inspiring to see the work that they're doing. I hope you enjoy. Well, it's, uh, I'm campaigning for the party of the animals which sounds like a one issue party, but it's, uh, it's nothing like it because we, um, well, we're interested in one thing and one thing only, and that's the planet. And the, I think I get a lot of questions about the name of our party, Party of the Animals, Partij voor de Dier. And people say, why don't you call it the party for the climate or the party for the planet? But I think uh, it's, it's a good name because it emphasizes we're not focusing on humans and we're not focusing on economics and on growth. We're focusing on, well, on the bigger picture than that. So I, uh, I feel it's a great name and, well, it asks from people that you have to think about it just a little bit longer. And once you get it, you see that we're really a party of activists and really a party that, well, thrives to a better world and a better future. That's exciting. Yeah. And it's great to have that perspective about it. It's bigger than just growth or bigger than just uh, just us as individuals. Right. Um, are there key issues that you really feel important or passionate about going into this election cycle? Yeah, lots of things, lots of things. Well, I, I specialize myself in, uh, in uh, clean energy. That's what I'm really passionate about. And um, I learned a lot about it. Uh, in my own home, actually, because I live in an old home in The Hague. It's more than 100 years old, and it's almost 100% year, 100 circular. So I don't use any gas anymore. Uh, I've got uh, all the solar panels, and uh, it's called a warmth pump, a warmth 
well, I create uh, heat in my house from uh, from electricity and uh, and solar solar heat and solar warmth and solar energy. So and and I had a I had a picture made by a drone uh, first in my neighborhood and then all of the city, and you see all these these gray roofs, and a gray roof does nothing for the environment. It does nothing for you for you for your own home, but this also does nothing for the environment. You can either choose to make it green, then it will keep your house cool in the summer and warm in the winter. And it also collects a lot of uh, water, which is good for, the, for, a, for a city with lots of, uh, lots of concrete and, and buildings. But of course, you can also choose to, uh, to put solar panels on it. And especially now, of course, you're aware that um, here in Europe, we've uh, since two days we've we've got a war, and Russia invades uh, Ukraine, and everybody is talking immediately about uh, gas prices is rising up to fifty percent in one day, and also oil and gas oil oil prices are rising. So if we would all have invested in being not so dependent on oil and gas, and creating your own energy. Uh, on a personal level, but also on a on a national level, then things uh, well in many many ways it would have been much better. So that's that's one of the things that I uh, I'm really passionate about. That um, everybody knows that oil and gas will not last for much longer for this uh, for this planet. So why be why be so well waiting for for things to happen and why can't we all be active in, in doing uh, the energy transition? I can definitely tell that your passion really kind of shines through the fact that you created your own circular house. Um, and it sounds like you've, you've have a long history of activism and involvement in the climate space spanning decades. Um, what's going you know going as far back as you're as you would like what initially drew you to doing something about clean energy or sustainability actually it it it, uh, it came to me slowly i was not raised with a lot of awareness about the planet i was raised with um, my father he was an immigrant from china and he was a general practitioner a, a medical doctor and he raised me not to care only for me, but also care for the community. So that was uh, that was in in, in my veins uh, since I was a young boy. But um, then I I became an entrepreneur, and uh, at first I was just focusing on uh, well doing as well as I can. But slowly, I I gained awareness about um, about how things are going in the world and also how things are going in, in the Netherlands, because as you know, we are a very small country, but we are one of the richest countries, I think, in the world. We're doing very well economically. And, and as time <clears throat> passed, I, I realized that how is, how is that possible? That can only be possible if we, if we use things outside of our country and we don't use it in such a positive way, because we buy all these <clears throat> all these clothes and all these electronics, and they come from other countries where people are not well, are not paid very well, 
or maybe even children are creating uh, all these clothes. So we are heavily dependent on other countries and, and, and in a negative way, but also we are very dependent on the, on the future because we, we contribute to pollution in such a heavy way and we, yeah, we are exhausting the planet to be very comfortable in our own country. So, and that, that really sank in slowly, but what I'd like to say, once you don't believe in Santa Claus anymore, you cannot once again believe in Santa Claus. And everything you learn and everything that you really realize, well, it's, it changes the person. I hope that it will change everybody. And then you cannot uh, live the same way that you used to live. So then I, well, first of all, with my, um, I, I used to run a, uh, an advertising agency. So first of all, I we were very picky in my clients. So uh, uh, I already worked a lot of lot for the government, but I really picked um, assignments that I could contribute to the world, like. Um, uh, I contributed to a ban on plastic bags with my uh, with my company, and also to big recycling projects. So that felt good. And then one day I decided, well, I really want to go for that. So then I quit my company and I almost became a full-time activist. And that's uh, yeah. That on one hand it feels good, and on the other hand it's something that yes, well, I I really I feel I. I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, and I can definitely uh, empathize with that. If of, of as you learn more and more about how the impact of some of the lifestyle choices we make, then I feel more uh, determined to try to do something about it. So I definitely agree with that, and we'll definitely touch upon the the work you did on, on plastic bags and recycling as you develop this learning and awareness of of the impact that. The lifestyle of, of people in the Netherlands had on outside of the Netherlands was that was there one particular instance where you really just kind of realized it or is it slowly gradually over years where you said okay this something's happening how did you develop that awareness I cannot touch on one particular moment that it, that I, I really realized it but what I do remember is that once you once you step in in um, well in, in, in doing good and trying to uh, trying to live every day and at the end of the day you look back on the day on the day and you you well have I made the world a little bit better or have I made the world a little bit worse and then I found that almost everything that you do in a day you have a choice do I do it the right way or do I do it in a harmful way to, for the world for instance do I eat meat do I eat pig or cow meat or or do I eat uh, vegetables and uh, plant-based food and do I buy new clothes or do I buy used clothes or do I, don't I buy clothes at all so uh, for a long time I've not I've not bought new clothes anymore and well nobody notices and it's well they fit really well and <laughs> and it gives you it gives me a good feeling so I think but also, if you try to do, uh, if you try to do good, like I sold my car and I now I drive an electric car, and once you uh, start reading about that, I once read that uh, 
somebody who drives a Tesla, but he eats meat, is so much more harmful to the world than somebody who doesn't eat meat and drives a 30-year-old car. So and all these things, uh, that, that, yeah, it, it, it really sank in and I really try to remember all these things and try to live, live in the right way. Yeah, and that's a great example because it's not necessarily clear cut. It's not obvious that one choice is necessarily better. You have to take a whole holistic approach to be able to say, okay, what, what is actually making an impact? And I think that maybe you can speak to this, but I think it's, it's really difficult for people who are living their day-to-day lives to know what to do necessarily because there's so many moving parts and these systems are so big. Yes, you're right. You're right. And for instance, um, if you look at garbage, we uh, separate the garbage here in, in the house, like plastics and carton and, and paper and, and uh, the other waste. But the more you do that, it seems like the plastic is piling up every day, even more. You go to the supermarket or any store, any store in the, in our city, and every day it seems there is more and more plastic. So that's annoying, and it also makes me a bit angry, and it also makes me really active. So I. I, I uh, sometimes I can't sleep and I think, what can we do about this? And then, well, my background is in is in marketing and advertising, I, so I'm yeah. I try to think of things to reach as much people that I uh, that I can. So I write to newspapers and I and I try to uh, with with our political party, I try to come up with uh, solutions that really will make a difference. Because if you do it yourself, well, of course that's 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 good. But it also makes you a bit cynical, like, wow, we're, we're, we're separating all this plastic, but now I buy a cucumber and it's in plastic, and I buy bananas and they're covered in plastic. Why the hell would you put a, put a cucumber in plastic? Because, well, it's already covered. Nature has already covered it. So why would you do that? So, yeah, I try to be... Uh, try to be critical and I try to be, well, to make people aware. And I, sometimes I write to the supermarkets, can you not stop doing this? And <laughs> it's also sometimes a bit frustrating to be honest and well, but I keep, I like to think that uh, doing, well, doing good is, is, is better than doing nothing. Absolutely, I, I agree. And it sounds like you've taken a very interesting approach in terms of doing good of, of leveraging your experience with marketing and with advertising. And it sounds like you've had a number of very successful campaigns using advertising to reduce waste and, and do good. As you're saying, the first one you mentioned was um, a ban on, on plastic bags, correct? Yes. That's now, uh, I think uh, five years ago. And uh, we used to use, uh, out of my head, I think three billion plastic, free plastic bags a year. And our city is uh, one of the largest city in Europe, which is directly at sea. So once uh, a piece of plastic ends up on the street, and it, if uh, if there is a lot of wind, it will end up in the sea. And if not, it will end up in nature. So. Yes, it was it was really necessary to uh, to reduce that. So then um, 
there, now we have a ban on free plastic bags, so people have to buy a plastic bag if they want one. It's not much, but well, Dutch people are very uh, sensitive to that. If you have to pay for something, well, then we'll take our own bag. But before it was, uh, uh, it, it, it was an official ban, we had to convince people. So in that, uh, uh, the government was, was searching for uh, agencies that could help them with them. And then I won this, uh, uh, how do you call it? Uh, multiple agencies could uh, subscribe to it and then I won it. And then all over uh, our country, I, uh, I could advertise and uh, promote um, stop using plastic bags. And I created a, a slogan, Mag het een tasje minder zijn, which means, can we please use one, uh, one less bag? And that, well, it, I think it made sense that if you start talking to people and then you create a lot of buzz about it, and people say, well, yes, I, I, I like that. And I understand that. So, and then, well, you know, if the public, if the public opinion changes towards a ban, then politicians, well, they, they, they are, uh, they're able to, uh, to make it happen. So that's, that, that, that was a great thing. Yeah. I am, uh, I'm happy to, that we did that. Can you just talk about your process? How did you, how did you come up with that tagline about reducing one less or using one less plastic bag? Do you go out and speak to individuals? Do you go to speak with grocery stores? How did that happen? Yes, it's a creative process. And maybe we, because shortly after this, I had a second uh, grade uh, assignment, uh, which was also about uh, reducing plastic. And, and this time it was about I looked it up. I'm not sure what the word is because, uh, but, but it's uh, a drinking carton. Is that something that you, you know, like milk and yogurt is is in carton? And people think that people think that it's paper, but it's actually paper with plastic inside. And it was uh, people either they recycled it with paper and then it had to be thrown away, or they uh, left it as garbage. So. Uh, then the government they wanted to promote that it should be um, uh, recycled. And then we thought of a slogan and it was schudden voor gebruik, scheiden na gebruik, which is shake well before use and recycle after use. And in Dutch, it sounds almost uh, the same. And it was, uh, and, 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 and we thought of it, we had this logo, which was a little boy that, uh, uh, that was telling you about it. Shake before use, recycle after use. And we chose a little boy because we found out that children are very aware of the environment and they're very worried about it. And a lot of their parents aren't. But if a, ch if a child tells his father that, and he says to his father, oh, daddy, you can do that. You should recycle this. Then you feel, okay, I have to do this. If my little boy tells me I really have to do this. So we... We used on that, so this whole marketing campaign was told by kids, and it was it, actually it was really successful. And well, how we how we how we thought of that is yes, we we um, we had a lot of sessions about it, and we I think we had thirty or forty slogans which which were in it. And then somebody in my agency she came up with this, and I thought, well, yes, that's it, that's it. And then I knew that uh, we had it. And yeah, yeah, still very happy about it. Yeah, that's really insightful because I think that that is true. 
that you're seeing the the younger generations they are they do they're very uh, clued into what's happening in the climate and obviously they're they're very concerned and i think that's a, a fascinating approach to to use that family dynamic to try to affect change where these children are actually make, making a big contribution to what we can do in the environment yeah i agree i agree and uh, children yeah, I, I I really do not know why, but children are 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 much more aware, and it's not that they're, it's not uh, like there are lessons in school about it. Well, just very few, but it's not a big part in the in education. Still, children are really much more aware and much more worried about uh, the way the world is uh, working these days. And and where were these ads placed? I'm thinking. I'm thinking kind of at bus stops and banners, or was this was this online? Where where were these ads? You know, how could you see them? I think uh, like a month or two or three months, they were everywhere, like uh, on TV and in the newspapers and then uh, online, very much online. And then, um, well, what we tend to do is create a peak at the, at the very beginning, so that everybody must have seen the ad at least once or twice. And then we, then it slows down a bit. And then we, uh, uh, the, the, uh, all these big garbage bins were placed all over the cities with also the same uh, logo and the slogan on it so that people, they can relate to it. And then yeah, it, it wasn't, it, it was hard to really find the way that people had to uh, had to recycle it, because if you, you you're not going to the to these garbage bins every day, so you have to keep these empty bag of the these empty cartons at home, and uh, after a day they don't smell this good anymore. So we had to think of something that uh, how, how do we do that, and then we came up with uh, we we, we uh, everybody got these free plastic bags in which they, which were sealable and which they could uh, uh, fold them in so that uh, well all uh, all barriers must be uh, must be removed and i'm sure that's not necessarily easy to figure that out that when you to, to know that these these bins or these uh cartons start to smell if you're trying to use them and dispose of them in a different way um were you working, it sounds like there are lots of moving parts and lots of agencies that you were working with. Were you, you were working directly with, with the city of, of Den Haag, is that correct? Yes, well, Den Haag is, is, is not the capital of uh, the Netherlands, but it is the, I think, and that's only because it's not the biggest city in, uh, in the Netherlands, because Amsterdam is the biggest city, but the government and the queen and and uh, all these uh, big, uh, like Shell and all these big companies, they're all situated in The Hague. So it's an exciting city. It's, it's, we've got local community, we've got national community, we even got European uh, governments in, 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 uh, in, in The Hague. And also, maybe you know it, we're called the City of Peace and Justice because there are more than 300 big or, uh, international organizations working towards peace and justice in The Hague. So it really is the capital and in some ways the capital of Europe. So it's exciting to work there. So as I was not only working for the local government, but also for national government, and sometimes international government, which was exciting. 
do you notice any differences between working with the different kinds of government, whether it's local, national, international? Well, there are, there are pros and cons because being such an internationally focused city and so focused on uh, law and on uh, peace uh, in, in the world, all focus go to that and it doesn't go to the, to the environment. So that is what, uh, what I see. But of course, there are international organizations like Oxfam Novik and the Red Cross. There are, uh, their headquarters are situated in, uh, in The Hague. And of course, they are very aware about how it's going in the world. But uh, the local government is mostly uh, busy uh, facilitating all these, all these uh, big organizations and very eager to keep them here, which they're doing quite well, I, I must uh, admit. Um, but it makes it harder to focus on, on the things that, um, well, like the environment and on animals and on uh, reducing plastic soup. So you had two very successful campaigns, one to uh, ban free plastic bags and then also to create a, basically a new waste system for these cartons. It sounds like you then took somewhat of a different approach. So rather than trying to push for a positive change, you tried to prevent what you would like a negative impact, right? In terms of advertising. So you started working on banning ads to that, that were carbon intensive, the products were carbon intensive, correct? Yes, absolutely correct. It's called uh, fossil free advertisement, which is rather new, I think, uh, uh, my, my co-worker Femke, she thought of it and all credits go to her. Like uh, two and a half years ago, she was activist, uh, I think, for for maybe five years now. And she was she's a full-time activist, which is really inspiring to me. She actually quit her job and she took what she called uh, a, a climate sabbatical. So working towards the climate without any pain. And she just started, I think it's her third climate sabbatical now. So, so it's inspiring. And, and, and then I thought, well, I really want to focus on being full-time working towards the climate myself. And yes, fossil free advertising. And, and actually she, we, we had in the, in the Hague, we had a festival and it's called Generation Discover, which was organized and funded by Shell. And it's, it's uh, for kids to learn about technique. But what it really was is tell them fossil fuels are okay. And we can easily use them throughout the century, like 2080 or 2070. Then the problem will really be there. But until then, it's okay. So it's really harmful if you, if you, and we just talked about kids. If you tell kids something like this, it's, I, well, it's it's really harmful. So she she really uh, did everything she could to to ban this festival from the Hague, and she was successful. So for a few days, then then you're very happy, but then you realize, well, Shell thinks of something else. They've got these huge budgets, and they did. So they moved the the festival from the Hague to Rotterdam, which is a an equal big city. So then you think, oh my God. I must start all over again. And then in two years time, I will be successful, but then there, the harm will be done again for two years. And that's 
that's that's that's the thing with fossil fuel advertising. It's so harmful, and we are pretty successful in in banning these uh, ads. Like we've got, uh, it's called the Reclame Code Committee, which is a an organization in the Netherlands which uh, you can complain about ads, and then they get uh, banned. But it's afterwards. So we just had this huge campaign from Shell, claiming that they're that they're such a green company, and they're doing such good good works towards clean energy, which isn't the case. And then these ads get banned, but they've been all over the country for at least two or three months. So the more we we worked on that, we thought there must be a local local ban, and there should be a global ban on fossil fuel advertising. And when we started with that, people were they were laughing. Don't you have anything more important to do? But now we're two years further, further, and it's really uh, well. What, what, what's the word? It's it's really normal that we're talking about it. And and uh, right now, six cities in the Netherlands uh, have chosen to ban fossil fuel advertisements where they can, because you cannot ban all advertising. You can only ban the things that you're responsible for. So. Uh, local government is responsible, for instance, for advertisements in bus stops and in trams and in railway stations and all uh, public buildings. So, but there are six cities like Amsterdam, Rotterdam, The Hague, Utrecht, really big cities, which uh, uh, the city council has chosen to ban. And already, uh, we, uh, the local of the national government is also discussing it. So. And now, uh, like three months ago, Greenpeace, they decided to adopt this uh, campaign. And now they are striving towards a European ban on fossil fuel, fossil fuel advertising. So on the one hand, it's, it's, that's exciting. But what's also so very inspiring is that it's all started with one girl. She, one day, she woke up and she decided, I'm going to do everything to ban fossil fuel advertising. And I'm going, I'm going to fight one of the biggest countries in the world. And it seems that she's successful and, and that we're successful. So that's, well, it's exciting. But it's also, I like to say that everybody who's listening, it's, it's nothing is impossible if you're, if you're working to, uh, well, if you're following your heart and doing good things. That's really uh, inspiring. Um, a, a big congratulations, the fact that it's grown so much. Um, over the last two years, can you just uh, elaborate? What exactly did you do? Who did you speak with? Who did you organize with? Um, were you just out protesting on the streets every single day? Or how did that actually happen? How did you gain this momentum? Well, protesting was not, was not the way uh, that we did it because it's, 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 uh, it's not a subject that people tend to be very angry about. Like, nuclear arms, we had to three, 400,000 people on the street. But if you say, we want to bet fossil fuel advertising, well, yeah, people don't get very angry and they don't, they think, well, I'm going to work today. So what we did is, uh, what, what I, my area of expertise was, of course, the media and uh, social media and uh, social media advertising. So that's one thing. And the second is we, uh, we, we wrote to a lot of politicians and then we chose cities 
which have, which tend to have a left-wing government so that they would uh, invite us and listen to us and we are very lucky that Amsterdam has got a left-wing it's the biggest city and they've got a left-wing government so yeah and then slowly 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 things things grew bigger grew bigger and then we found uh, um, uh, like journalists from influential newspapers who started writing about it and then i well one one big major breakthrough was that greta thunberg you know of course uh, greta thunberg she tweeted about us and it was at a very crucial moment when amsterdam was going to vote about it and then her tweet it went so big and she said well that's a great thing that they're doing in holland and then we had like, suddenly we went to uh, the, well, tens of thousands extra followers on Twitter and on uh, so that really gave us a boost. And also last year we've got uh, a big newspaper. It's called Trouw, and they elect uh, the the 100 most successful uh, activist activist groups. And then we ended up number three. And our sister Fossil Free Netherlands they ended at number one. So that was also a big boost. That's, uh, and I, I can tell you very shortly about it, that um, fossil, fossil free, so we have fossil free advertising and we've got um, fossil free Netherlands and they, uh, they, they, they try to move to divestment. Like we've got all these pension funds, of course, you've got uh, also got pension funds in America and they, they are the richest organizations in the world and they invest to be able to uh, to pay all these pensions but they do invest a lot in the fossil fuel industry and the same way as we did it they protested very much to uh, to these investments because people they have a pension fund and they have no say in where their money it's your money where it will be invested so they really was they were very angry and more and more angry that they were being invested in the fossil fuel industries. And then a few months ago, 15 billion of investment was retracted from Shell and invested in green energy. So again, two girls fighting, fighting, fighting and creating a lot of buzz about it. And then one day you wake up and you read the newspaper and ABP says, we stop investing in the Shell and we, we divest 15 billion euros wow well that was a great day so they ended up number one in the in the trouw duurzame honderd which is the yeah which is great yeah I'm, I'm just so excited to hear that story how much did you interact with other activists i know you mentioned that obviously there's kind of a sister organization fossil free netherlands you have fossil free advertising were you working with other activists or was it your, your kind of your small organization in, engaging with politicians, journalists, media? No, we, we do have a lot of uh, contact, but everybody is really focused on their own issues. And uh, rightfully so, because it's, uh, it's uh, well, there's always, a lot, there's a lot to be done. So no, we, uh, we um, well, of course, there are uh, activist groups which really are very visible, like Extinction Rebellion, I think uh, you, you've got them also. And then uh, sometimes we work together, but it's mostly, um, well, just just 
just ourselves. Okay. Can you can you speak to the almost the mentality of being an activist? Because you you talked about on what let's say you're starting out, you want to ban fossil. You know, let's think about two years ago, you want to uh, ban fossil fuel adverts, and you're going up against Shell, and you're one person. So that just seems really scary and daunting. And then all of a sudden, you're having six cities and maybe the whole country thinking about banning advertisements and $50 billion invest, divested invested in clean energy. So that, that's a huge, like that ride must have been incredible, right? So how do you manage that? Uh, how do I manage that? Yeah, I've just, I, I'm, well, there's just this little spark inside me and it feels good to do it. And well, I, I, I spend a lot of time in, 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 self-awareness through the years like i every year i go on a, on a retreat and uh, on my own and i think about uh, i think about my life and what should i do and what feels good and what doesn't and well, one of the main things that i learned is that the more you focus on me on yourself the less happy you get and that sounds like a contradiction but it's it's really true to me that the more you focus on me, the more problems you feel and the more frustrated you feel. And it's not going like I want and why doesn't he listen to me? And, and the minute you focus on something bigger than yourself, you immediately feel lighter and you feel all this new energy. And the bigger the goals, the more energy you get. And it really, yeah, it's, it, it really works for me. And I think uh, everybody should think about something something like that is what what what's my position in this world and what do i really care for and is it just me or is it bigger than me it could it could be you and your partner or you and your children you and your family or well anything you care about if you thrive towards that well to me that really feels great yeah and and that's really insightful uh, I'm learning, you know, somebody telling you the climate sabbatical, which I think is great. I think everyone should go on a climate sabbatical and, you know, it's taking the moment to reflect on how you can work on something bigger than yourself. I think that these are great suggestions. Um, and then, so you, you are very successful with your uh, advertising ban and work on that and, and cities are starting to consider banning them. And it sounds like you then have a, a, a kind of a, a change in in your goals, where instead of being an activist, you you want to actually run and be part of government, right? Yeah. Yes, that's true. And only because there is a party for the animals, which we talked about, because I don't feel I'm really much uh, of a politician. But then again, I feel the party of the animals isn't much of a, a usual political party because they really are activists and they don't, uh, the goal is not to be in power, but the goal is to be influential. And that's really uh, what, I, uh, yeah, what I love about the party. And then one day I got asked to do a course with them to uh, find out if you, uh, well, if you are suitable to be a politician one day. And well, it, 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 it really attracted me. And also that, whatever you do in activism in the end 
it's the politicians who decide if it will, uh, which way the things will develop. In the end, you need politicians to to really stand for for ideas. So then I thought, well, then I wrote and I learned about the party of the animals, and that's exactly why they started because. I once uh, spoke to the uh, to one of the founders, and he said, "Well, I was an activist too, and and I started just like myself. I started living in a good way, and then you try to uh, your neighbors and your children and your friends. You try to tell, well, you should do that also, and then the circle gets bigger and bigger, and then you well, you start an organization bigger and bigger. But one day you think, well, politics need to change." And the best way to change politics is to do it from the inside and not to be in power because I, I don't think that the party of the animals will be will ever deliver the prime minister in, in the Netherlands. But in the 20 years now that they, they have been in politics, a lot has changed because 20 years ago, no other party talked about animal rights. And now every party talks about animal rights because, well, we talk about it so much and and about the environment and about clean energy and about don't cut so many trees in the city and about green roofs and a lot of green things in the city and it's just because we we talk about it so much and also because we're activists we don't compromise a lot which is really attractive to me because if you are in politics you tend to compromise really quickly so i gain some here and i lose some there but we don't do that. We never compromise, which gives us the right in every debate to say the same things. And I think that's a great thing, because once you've compromised, you've, well, you, in some way, you lose um, the right to talk about it because, well, you've signed the compromise. But we don't do that. So every time we can talk about the same things, every time, every time, and the leader of our party. Uh, uh, four years ago, she quit. She's called Marianne Thieme. She ended every sentence, every debate that she uh, that she did with the same sentence. I think the bio industry should quit. So uh, she talks about this and about housing and about uh, and then every time she ended. Oh yes, and one more thing. I think the bio industry should quit, and then she walked away, <laughs> which is so great because it's so it's so so recognizable and so yeah. It, it, it. And that's that's why I think uh, the the party is growing. Like I said, we will never be the biggest party in the Netherlands, but it's growing and it's always growing. So I, I think it would be exciting to to uh, well to be part of that. Yeah, uh, particularly if you have this growth and. Um... It's fascinating that you mentioned that the, the, the concept of compromise and that as an activist, you don't necessarily compromise. And you know, you, you're saying you get to repeat and have the same message that you get to repeat and share with an audience. Do you find that having been an activist, that that's helped you as part of your campaign or, or does it hurt you or does it have no impact? Do you think in terms of the obviously the, the message you're trying to keep the same, but in terms of the experience of one versus the other, how have those connected? Well, I, I do believe myself that it's, it, it makes me a credible candidate because as far as you go back, I, I 
tend to say the same things for, for many years. On the other hand, everybody is, uh, uh, every candidate for every party is now very good in one-liners and very good in attracting attention. So it's not that I'm really very more visible than the others. I just, well, we of the party of Thermos, we, we tend to say all the same things always. So I think that's what I hope is that people trust us and that they, well, more and more people will say, well, let's give it a try and let's, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it sounds like the, the elections are coming up quite soon. So um, what, what would you have planned for the, the next couple of weeks before the, before the elections happen? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's exciting times. We do a lot of debates, small debates in, uh, in parts of the city. Of course, we, uh, we uh, try to be as visible as possible. And I thought of some, uh, well, I thought of an action that, uh, that, that would really attract a lot of people. So what do I want to do? I also, uh, I'm a musician and I play in a band. So I'm going to play with my band and we rented this big boat. And we're going to play with the bands, and we uh, boat goes through uh, through all of, of the city. And then um, playing with the bands is it, it's called optreden. Uh, it's uh, but it's got two meanings. It's playing with the band, but it's also to act on something. So and the the slogan is we act uh, against plastic soup. So we've got this big boat with the band playing, and then a second boat with. Uh, my fellow uh, uh, candidates from uh, from the party, and they will clean up the water after us. So they will, will pull plastic bags from the water. So um, well, we hope to attract a lot of positive attention, but also with a with a serious voice. That's amazing. <laughs> That's uh, three three days before the election, and it's on a on a Saturday. So I hope there will be a lot of people in the streets. Yeah, I am. I'm hopeful about it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really, really exciting. Um, uh, and best of luck in the next couple of weeks. For um, I guess for the for anyone that's listening, what is one thing that you would recommend that they can do? Like, let's say, if, let's say they're thinking about maybe doing a climate sabbatical or maybe just one little one little activity, right? That they can start incorporating into their life. Uh, or there's one organization that they're interested in learning about, what's one thing that they can do to start on the process of being more environmental or, or reducing their waste or having one small impact? Yeah, there are so many things. Um, well, what really works for me is, is, is give, give your life a thought, which, well, <laughs> um, I don't want to be too, uh, no, I, I can't think of the word for it. I want to keep it light. Um, but what really works for me is, did I improve the world today or did I contribute to making it just a little bit worse? And then think about, well, creating awareness of yourself and, talk about it with your children and talk about it with your colleagues and well believe in uh, believe that 
every contribution, even the smallest contribution, it helps. And it will um, uh, possibly set something bigger in motion. Like try to eat less meat or stop eating meat at all. And um, you know, one of the things that, that what I did with my house, like it's now, uh, it's uh, circular. It actually uh, saves me a lot of money. And especially now with the new gas prices, I'm not concerned at all because I don't use any gas anymore. And people then say, yes, but it costs a lot of money to do it. Well, well you have this in Holland, we call it warmth loans. So the government can loan you money for very low cost. And then you can do whatever you want in your house. And the cost of this loan is so much lower than the cost of gas every month. So every month I save like some 300 euros, which is a lot of money. So that's also, it's, it's, it's good for the environment. It's good for you. And it's also good for your wallet. And uh, well, so not, it, it's, it's not all bad news. <laughs> you don't, people always say, well, if you party for the animals, they, 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 don't, they prohibit this and they prohibit that. But, I find myself a much happier person than before. So it's not, it's not all bad. It's, <laughs> it's worth it to, uh, to think about things like this. Definitely. I think just reflecting and thinking about how just in the one day we can all just do a little bit to contribute, I think is, is a great message. Um, well, uh, George, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. If anyone's interested in learning more about uh, you or your campaign, what's what's where can they go? What's the how can they learn more? Um, well, I would say go to uh, Party of the Animals, which is the Party of the Animals .nl, which is the, the English version of Partij for the Dieren website. You can learn about it. Uh, Fossil-free advertising. Just look it up. There are, I think, in America, there are also some groups active now. And um, my website, it's georgeonkihong.nl, but I don't think people will <laughs> remember how to write it. So maybe you can, I can look it up. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you very much, George. I really appreciate your time. Well, Shane, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. And great that you, I really love your, your podcast. So good luck with that, too. Well, again, I hope you enjoyed this episode with George. It was really inspiring, as you can, I'm sure you've heard from the great successes that they've had working as activists in, in the local cities and governments uh, and trying to affect change. And uh, I think it's it's worth taking his recommendation to, to reflect and see what gives us joy and what gives us our passion to see what we can do on a small little level every day um, to try to make a difference, whether it's on reducing waste or something on climate or a different aspect. That was kind of my goal when I started this is not only to speak with people from all over the world doing exciting work, but also making it actionable to really say, these are some steps that we can all take in our lives. Uh, it can be as, as small uh, as one daily thing or as big as a, a year long climate sabbatical 
to really try to make a difference uh, because it does these two these things do add up and they do make a difference and they make an impact in our uh, at the local level but also at the global level and um, thank you again for uh, for following on this whole season i've really enjoyed it I, it started out as a bit of a trial i wanted to see how people would respond and whether or not i i personally enjoyed it and, and i definitely have uh, in putting together this first season it's been super exciting to talk about people uh, doing excited work, whether it's in food waste or plastic waste or recycling of electronics or even of dirt. Um, and it's, uh, I've, I've learned a lot and I hope you've learned something as well. And uh, very much excited. We'll take be taking a little bit of a, a break over the next couple of months trying to put together season two. Uh, hopefully it's going to be bigger and better. Uh, but I do expect another season to come out later in the year. If you're listening on Spotify in particular, I will be posting a poll to for you to provide feedback on what you thought, what you liked, what you didn't like, what could be improved about this first season. Uh, so I can use that feedback to start uh, getting getting ready for season number two. And uh, thank you again so much. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for everyone who's supported so far. And uh, as, as a parting action, I, I would just suggest uh, what George said is, is just reflect, take some time. What uh, What's important to you uh, when it comes to waste? Uh, what have you learned so far? And uh, what's something that you want to do or what motivates you in terms of re- reducing waste or impacting the climate in some way and, and talk about it, you know, talk with your, your friends, your family, your community and see what can be done and what you can do in just a small way, one day at a time. So thank you very much for listening to Zero and look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the near future. Mm-hmm.